Uh, we thank you for uh, being here this morning. Uh, my name is Tim Blamer. I uh, currently teach at uh, Unity Christian High School out in Hudsonville, Michigan. Um, in, in a, this is my second year at Unity. Before that, I served in Lansing, Lansing, Michigan, at Lansing Christian School. Um, I taught Bible there, and I was dean of students as well. Um, in Unity, at Unity, I'm currently teaching Bible. I teach uh, ninth grade Bible, eleventh grade Bible, and some psychology on the side because um, why not? Right? Duty is as a sign. Um, and so uh, we're here uh, because of, or at least I'm here because of uh, some background in the Bible and some work that I've done with how do we how do we talk about and discuss faith within our schools and within our classrooms. Uh, yeah, I'm Evan Coons. Uh, I uh, what we're going to talk about for the life of the world today. I was the host and one of the co-writers on For the Life of the World, and uh, I am a writer and an actor and part-time shoeshiner in Rapids. And uh, yeah, and uh, Tim was like, "Hey, I'm doing this conference with them. We could like go back and forth and talk about talk about the series and how it impacts students and what it's about." And uh, we're not getting paid uh, like we're not getting paid to tell you about For the Life of the World. Like we're not selling it to you, but we're going to talk about it and hope that you find it as a beneficial resource. Um, we're not going to, yeah. We're not we're not making money off sales. Yeah, that's for sure. Or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, do, I, do I tell them about your recent claim to fame? I keep. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if anyone's a fan, but if you watched Chicago Fire last night, the the role of Russell um, was played by Evan yeah. Evans. So. Did you watch it last night? No, I do watch it from sometimes, so I miss it. Yeah, right? You should check it out, because uh, I won't tell you what he did, but he's not a good guy. Um, uh, <laughs> spoil it! <laughs> but if you want to check that out, um, I fast-forwarded through it just to watch it. So you can do that, too. Uh, get to the good stuff. I come in at 4.07, and again at 12. <laughs> um, so, so we know each other because of the, the series, the video series, For the Life of the World. Um, it's, it's a resource that I found really helpful in, in my classroom, in my schools, um, and, and it might be a resource that you would find helpful too as we think about how do we work with our students on, on faith in particular. Um, and so we, we've developed, I don't know if we've developed a relationship or what we call it, but sure. Um, <laughs> just sort of uh, working with him a little bit on, on how to use it and bring it into the classroom and in the school. I'm curious before we go, has anyone seen the series for the life of the world? Some of you have? Some of you have. Good. That's a, that's a good mix. We hope this is a little bit of a discussion back and forth about where, where we are in terms of um, how we teach faith, some of the challenges that we face. Um, I reached a point in, in my teaching and in my work with students and work with the school, like, like something just wasn't jelling. Something wasn't quite right. Like my students were, were Christian, but you know, sort of like check the box off Christianity. Um, they, they knew Jesus, but it wasn't really translating into other things. And I didn't necessarily have a good way to talk about, like, what, what does a life of faith really look like? What are the possibilities um, that, that we can see? Um, what, what does it mean to, to have God actually in your work? What does it mean to have God in your relationships? What does it mean to have God in, in all areas of life? Um, and, and if you've seen some of the, the research and data, um, one of the, the trends in young people, and it's not their fault, it's how we've been teaching them, one of the trends in young people is, is separating out parts of their lives. And that's, that's common in the church, that's common in adults, where, yep, I, I can do the church thing, I can, go to, I can go to Sunday school, I can go to youth group, whatever it might be, but then, like, the rest of my life, God's just not really involved. I don't really see how he would be involved. 
Um, so I, I was feeling some frustration. Like, isn't there, isn't there something more? Aren't we called as Christian educators to, to open up the possibilities to our students in a new way? Um, and when I came across this series, it, it gave me a tool. It gave me a resource. It gave me an, a, a, a way to talk about faith a little bit different, a way to show my students the possibilities that they could have if they are, are truly giving over their entire lives to Jesus. Um, and so it's become a resource that I've used in the classroom um, and it worked with Evan a little bit on as well um, to open it up to our students. <clears throat> it's, so basically it flows a seven-part series, seven videos, that the main crux of the videos is to ask the question, what is our salvation for? Because usually we think about salvation or like the knee-jerk, like what's your salvation for? They go, not for, it's from. Okay? It's like, so we don't spend eternity in hell and we're at the end of all things with God in heaven, right? That saves us from something. And this main question of this series is, what is it salvation for? And so what it does is it starts with um, sort of a point uh, 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 where we are today, or how we maybe we ought look at culture from a point of exile. And then from there it says, okay, if we're in exile, what does that mean? How do we behave as Christians in exile, separated from God and the kingdom of God? Uh, uh, and it goes through six areas of our life. It talks about family, creative service, which is work, um, now I'm forgetting because I order, order, justice, justice uh, pursuits of knowledge and wisdom, uh, wonder, and then finally, like church. Where does church fit into all of this, and how is church maybe overarching in all of this? Um, and so that's the basic series, and it's it's gone through in a way that is, uh, I would say, meant to reinvigorate the Christian imagination. Um, and so we do, we we basically thought, let's put Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, Sesame Street. Kiwi's Big Adventure and Deep Theology all in one series. Or we're not just talking about the truths of the faith, but we're showing down to the deepest level what it means to make something and live something in this way. So, yeah. I think we both, uh, in our experience, both Evan as a filmmaker and myself, even as a teacher, um, as, some, as people that went to Christian school our entire lives, it wasn't until our, our maybe 20s or 30s where we even thought of the question, like, what is my salvation for? Um, and how do we bring that question to our students? More than just saved from something, God has saved us for something. And that's the opening to the series. Yeah, and so then we thought, like, well, like, well then why are we here right now? Like, what, what, how does this fit into sort of the themes of, of this conference and the establishing the work of our hands. And how are Christians today maybe establishing the work of their hands in culture? And we'll get into a little bit when we watch the first video, we'll give you a taste of the first video. But um, there are generally like three ways historically that Christians have encountered uh, culture. And one is a sort of a, a, a place of fortification. Like we sort of build up the walls and you know, pull back from things, everybody get into the bunker, like, we'll wait till Jesus comes and then we'll all go be with him in heaven. And there's, like, there's not nothing, there's something not right about that, but there's something you protect, the thing that you love, right? So you ought have some sort of fortification. Then there's also domination, culture wars. What do we do? Like, we go to war against whatever is, is uh, against us, and we fight it, and that just hasn't worked out well. It never really does. But there's also the other side of that is when you love something, you fight for it, right? Uh, when it's important, you fight for it. And the third way, which I think we're seeing a lot more now, and what I definitely have experienced, 
uh, as not quite a postmodern Christian, but maybe a post I don't even know where I fit, but... Uh, generation something? Yeah, generation whatever. Um, uh, is to say, is accommodation, where we look and say, we just blend in, and we lose ourselves, and we lose our faith, and we lose our traditions, and we lose our beliefs and our doctrine, and our doctrine to, to whatever. We just sort of blend in with the, with the invaders, if you will. And there's something like good and not good about that as well, right? We ought to be all things to all people, right? As Paul says in a way. Um, but we also don't put on the zombie mask and walk around like this, so then how do we live in culture? So we thought, with this series, it gives us a way to be in, uh, in the world, but not of it. What does that look like in all of these areas of our life? So that's sort of like why we're here, and so how can we cultivate a, a classroom and a, and a school faculty and all of those things that has a language and a, and a means to sort of dig in? And that's what For the Life of the World is about. Awesome. And why we're here. So. Shall we show the first episode, getting a taste for it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to show you the opening episode. Um, Evan, we'll maybe queue it up. I think we're ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, so each episode, uh, depending on how you use it, we'll talk a little bit after about how I use it, um, how you could use it. Each one's about 20 minutes long, not really more than that. Some are a little bit shorter. Um, so you can get a lot in a short amount of time, whether you're using it with students, with parents, with your teachers, with um, you know, your small group, whatever it might be. Um, it, it's both easily digestible and a little bit unsettling at the same time. Yes, yes. Um, so. uh, it's a little scandalous, <laughs> uh, but, and also at times uh, 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 a theological player. So, uh, we should just show it. Yeah, I'll just show it. The sense yeah. There we go. <coughs> oh, I can shut off the lights. Salvation only as a means of personal atonement. God's 
plan for all things is a grander story than that. What if there's a bigger question? Like, what is our salvation actually for? That's the key question, right there. Did you hear it? What is our salvation actually for? What is our salvation for? For the life of the world. Amy, I think I need to call you back. There's a title sequence in my front yard. <laughs> okay. This is the story of the bigger picture. Evan, welcome to exile. The deeper mystery of faith. God's mission in the world and our place in it. I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Evan. These are my friends. Evan, what's going on? And this is For the Life of the World Letters to the Exiles. Amy. Evan, sorry about that. We must have gotten disconnected. No problem. Where were we? We were talking about the purpose of salvation. What's it for? What is our salvation actually for? Okay, yeah. We are to be in the world, but if we look a bit deeper into the issues, we see that Christians view culture and the rest of the world in a us versus them mentality, like we're being invaded. We see it play out in three ways. The first response to culture is what my pastor, Greg Thompson, calls fortification. We put up walls, shut the world out. It's a bunker mentality. The second common response is domination. This approach engages in culture and condemns it, fights against it. This is the culture warrior mentality. Finally, there are the accommodationists, and they're a response to this war mentality. These are the types that engage culture but completely lose their identities. Okay, so like I said, this is for the life of the world, and I'm Evan Kuhn. And what we're trying to do here is establish a clear perspective on being in the world, but not of it. So I brought up a group of people way smarter than me to help explain it all. Excuse me, just one moment while I think another quick phone call. Hello? Dwight? Uh, hey, Evan, are, are, are we on? Yeah, this is Dwight Gibson. He's the chief exploration officer for his company, the Exploration Group in Philadelphia. People commission him to explore the world and create new ideas for their businesses and organizations. Dwight, I found these all over my yard. Oh, it's a Chinese lantern. Yeah, see what you can find out for me by the end of the episode. Uh, how, how long's an episode? Oh, hey, somebody's here, okay? Listen, I gotta go. Now, for the sake of time, enjoy meeting Stephen Grable through the stylings of my voiceover. Okay, Dr. Stephen Grable is a theologian and scholar What's up, man? and the editor of the Stewardship Study Bible. Good to see you. He has degrees in philosophy and political science with an MTS, a THM, and a PhD from Calvin Theological Seminary. He's written and edited books on Protestant social thought, Abraham Kuyper, ethics and economics. In other words, the dude knows his stuff. Hey, I got you something. Oh, and when he's not researching theology at Acton Institute, a think tank in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he's bringing me books and sitting in my library. Signs of Jonas. Well, I and sometimes my art studio.
fortification, domination, and accommodation. And there's a lot to those ideas. Yeah. I think we need to unpack them a little bit. What do you think? I would really appreciate that, actually. All right. You know, I, I kind of discerned a, a common theme running throughout all of those ideas. And basically, it's urgency. Urgency, urgency. If we don't act now, we're going to end up in some crisis. Crisis, crisis, crisis. And something awful, irreversible even, is going to happen. But, but um, what we have to do is actually take a totally different view of culture. Deep-rooted cultural change takes about a generation, which in biblical times is measured by 70 years. Sure. And I don't think very many of us have the patience for that today. Mm -hmm. We need a whole different perspective on the matter. Are you listening to me? Yes. No, why? I'm sorry. I'm totally... <gasps> no, sorry. This is something that we forget all the time. That we just fail to remember this, that we're strangers in a strange land. Welcome to exile. Welcome, not home. Ugh. We're all strangers here, and we're all at points estranged from God. But we're trying to find our way home in accordance with his purpose. It's too abstract. <laughs> so that's what I'm interested in. How do we do that? You know what, Evan? The best way to understand exile is to kind of go back to, to the scriptures and what Jeremiah was talking to the children of Israel about in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 is the prophet's final instructions for Israel, as well as a promise of restoration before the Babylonians came to take them into captivity. It was a routing of the land. And Jeremiah 29.7 is the key. And what do you think he told them to do? Seek the welfare of the city into which I placed you. And in seeking that welfare, you will find your own welfare. Try that one on for size. What this means is the way we evaluate everything, our success, the purpose, all that big picture stuff changes because it's all about the welfare of the places into which we've been placed, those cities. There's a little bit of me that just feels like it's like we're accommodating the city. I can see how it might seem that way, but it wasn't Jeremiah's intention for the children of Israel to sort of just blend into the Babylonians. Remember what Jeremiah does before they go into exile? He buys a plot of land, gets the deed to it, and he buries the deed. He buries the deed, not because he'll come back and dig it up later, he'll, well, he'll be dead. But he does know that there will be a return from exile. He has hope in the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. And so he's unafraid to enter into that Babylonian captivity because he has faith that God will realize his purposes, even if this present generation is not around to witness it. Huh. Well, that put some things in perspective. Maybe what God asked of the Israelites in captivity, He's asking of us today. Just like John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and the future coming of the kingdom, so we are pointing to a new reality that's often to the future, even if it's somewhat present right now. We're not the Messiah. 
we're, we're people that prepare the way. Are we willing to do that hard work for, for something we might not even see? For something that we might not even ourselves be able to envision? place seems to burn? Can we allow ourselves to do the humble work of sowing and tilling so that another can come along and reap? Can we be so bold as to declare that that work is preparing the way of the Lord? Well, the key though is like understanding what we mean by the way of the Lord. And that's something I don't. I was hoping you'd say that. Come on. I want to say just one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Oikonomia. Exactly how do you mean? There's a great future in Oikonomia. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Shh. Enough said. That's a deal. Getting late, I have to go. So, to understand the way of the Lord, maybe we need a fresh set of terms, a new language. A new language, which is really an old language. Oikonomia, house management, stewardship, sea economy. from the Greek oikonomia, the management of a household and arrangement or mode of operation. Okay, okay, so there's God's plan, our part of God's plan, God's house, our house management. God's purpose for the whole kit and caboodle and our work in the nitty gritty. Okay, okay, so let's call God's big purpose, the plan for his whole household of creation, let's call that oikonomia. And all the specific areas and modes of operation, the ones that he's designed us to work in, you know, like our families, our jobs, our governments and charities, schools, institutions, let's call those our economies, our house management. This is getting too abstract. I need to think of a way to harmonize these ideas. Harmonize. Music. This, this is a ukulele. You can't play this like you play a, a xylophone. Xylophone has its own way of making sound, its own unique patterns and techniques, its own mode of operation. Let's call it its own economy. You can't play it like a ukulele, you have to play it like a xylophone. And how a xylophone works might be different than say how like a, I don't know, a banjo works. Because a banjo has its own economy. Or like a trombone. 
I like an upright bass. And all of these instruments, they have their own rules, their own economies, and they can make beautiful music by themselves. But what if they're meant to be played together? What if they're meant for something bigger? Something like song.
made for the heaven, made in order to be let go. Who are we to be in exile? I mean, how are we to be in exile? Are we to hide, to fight, to blend in? Or can we, even in the everyday things, learn to see our work as a gift to heaven by working for the life of the world, for the good of the city of exile into which we've been sent? For all our work in this world is made of stuff of the earth. Our families, our labor, our governments and charities and schools and art forms. All of it takes place here below, but all of it is pointed toward heaven. All of it is, in a sense, holy. Imagine if all of us offered our work for the good of the cities around us. How might we be able to change those cities? What would it look like if we only understood that our humble work is a heavenward offering? What would our city of exile look like then? Dear everybody, the psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Now listen to the words of Jeremiah. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is our economic responsibility. In our families, our work, in our communities, and in every broken place, each of these economies is designed to work as a humble part of God's oikonomia, his economy of all things. All of our work is designed to bring flourishing to the world, to be an act of priesthood, an act of blessing, an offering. Signs of Jones. This priesthood was our original calling. It has been restored to us through the gracious blood of Jesus. His song in the world is gift, and we are called to play this song in all we do. So go, live in your true nature, with the work of your hands, your everyday work, and the words of your mouth the very breath that you breathe. Bless and sanctify the world. Make it a gift and offer it back to God for his glory and for the life of the world. Yours, Evan. Christian art. Um, and, and the other episodes kind of follow in that vein as well. 
um, where, where you can show them, like, Christians made this, and it's good. Uh, celebrate that. And, and it's not cliched, it's not cheesy, it's quirky, but not cheesy. Sure. Appropriately we, cheesy. We own the cheesy. If you it's own the be cheesy, we say, this is a cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and again, I think that's just refreshing uh, for them to see. That's not the only reason to use something like this, but um, just, just, to, just to celebrate that. Um, I, I, I appreciate that about it. Um, so, so in terms of how I use it in the classroom, and I'll just briefly share that. I, I've used it in different ways depending on, on the setting. Um, I've used it with, with like a whole senior class. Um, and that's a little bit more rapid fire where you might show one every single day. And, there's a lot there, right? There's a lot to unpack with students. Students are a little confused by, like, wait, exile, is that Moses? Or is that, what, what does that mean? What does that mean for my life? Like, what does exile look like? Um, taking, taking a word like oikonomia and starting to unpack that. Um, so, so currently, I, I'm able to do it in sort of a two-week unit where uh, we watch an episode, they respond to some questions, and then we spend at least a day unpacking some of the ideas um, and working through it. Because there's a lot there. And, and honestly, I've watched it a dozen, 20, 30 times, I don't know. Um, and I, even right now, I just noticed a few things that I've never seen before. Um, not always important things. There's a little sticker on the VHS tape that says, please rewind, and that stuck out to me. <laughs> That's like a blockbuster video or something. Just that little touch <laughs> is fun. Um, there's a lot of like good pop culture, 80s, 90s, even in the 2000s references that, that keep uh, our attention and right. bring it out creatively. Um, there's another, the, the next episode has to do with, with love, it's called Love, but it's really about like, what, what does family look like in this kind of perspective? What does it mean to, to be, see family as like the foundation for society, um, and, and to be gift givers as part of your family, both within the family and outside the family? Um, I'm getting married on Saturday, so this is, you know, not... I'm not preoccupied by that at all right now. Um, but, <laughs> um, she's doing all the planning anyway, right? The, but, um, this is being recorded. <laughs> I can't wait for it. It's going to be wonderful. Good napkin choice. Um, but, but we've actually watched this, the, the second episode together, um, because it, it, it presents a, a vision for marriage and family, as opposed to maybe even using the language of, like, we're trying to avoid, we're trying to stay from things in relationships and in family and in marriage. Well, it shifts that on its head. It says, like, no, no, like marriage is for something too. Not just for me, but, but to be givers of our lives. And um, part of the, the Jeremiah verse that talks about work for the good of the places that you are in. Because if you do that, you too will prosper. That's part of our, our, our wedding language now. Because of, of just this new perspective that you know, I, I hadn't been taught. I hadn't taught to others along the way. Um, the, the one other example, and, and it would be my dream to use this with like a whole staff. Um, I haven't, I haven't had that opportunity yet, but depending on your position, you, you, you know that sometimes we as, as educators um, don't, don't have some background that might be helpful. Like some of you gotta be in front of kids and talk about faith and teach about faith. That's different than going to Calvin or something like that. Um, or you might get teachers in from different backgrounds, teachers that have never been in Christian education before, like, and, and, and there's, it's hard for them to talk about faith, and it, it can sort of turn into just the, I'm saved from something kind of teaching, and we know we want our students to capture more than that. Um, so, so staff, it can be a language that can be used with them. Um, the third episode is called Creative Service, and that's all about work. It's all about, like, your job and your career. 
Um, and, and actually, like if, if nothing else, I wish we would adopt the words creative service when we talk about work. Like that language, it, it's different. Um, we do service at our school, and I don't think we do it well. There's a couple of people here. Um, because we do, you feel that too, right? Like, I go do my service project, and then I go do the rest of my life, right? I go do service, and then I go do my job. And those are separate things. Just the very nature of saying, like, creative service, that's, that's your work. Like, you are serving in your work. <laughs> oh, that was probably from here to here oh, okay. to there. There we go. So, so even again, like giving us language that's a little bit deeper and richer um, within our school communities, even, even like how we talk with parents about um, the, the purpose of, of service and the heart of service. We know, we know it's, it's deeper than just uh, a little project that I do in the summer or the project I do, the hours I have to check off. Um, and, and so I love the language that it gives to us. Maybe an old language, but a new language sure. for us as it is. And, and it reorients. <clears throat> It reorients the way we think about so many things. A lot of the things we think about is like, what does it do for me? When you look at work, like, oh, I get a job, I have a mortgage, I buy a house, I get this, I have a retirement. That's all like, but creative service goes, no, man, your work is a gift to the world. It's a gift to your family. It's a gift, like, it starts there and goes outward. Whether you're a lumberjack, whether you're a uh, computer programmer, whether you're a data analyst, like it's all a gift for someone else. So there is no hierarchy of like, well, I'm in the ministry, therefore I am the bee's knees, and you know the guys working at McDonald's or the gals working at McDonald's. It's all service, and so there's no shame. It's all a gift. It's all meant to be an offering to others and to God. It sort of reorients for every area of your life. What is family? It's an outward. It's outward focused. What is work? Outward focused. Um, what is what is education? It's not. Is this going to be on the test? But it's like I have this gift of my mind from my Creator that says I can expand it and learn things, and then learn those things to make new things and understand what wisdom is and how that fits in. And so it's reorienting constantly to be an outward like a prayer. So your life, in essence, becomes an offering, which is a prayer, always sort of focused on. And, and I'm thinking about that workbook because this came up in this particular unit. I just use this in the classroom. And I, I work with juniors on this, and juniors are very, very concerned about where does God want me to go to college? What does God want me to do? Like, God, tell me my job so that way I know I'm in your plan and in your will. And, and in my work with students, that can be paralyzing to kids because they're so concerned about getting it wrong. Right? Like, what if I don't go to what God wants me to do? And in some ways, uh, the, the work episode, I, I tell them again, like, some of the points they make, like, it should be freeing to you. How are you in God's will? If you and your job are working for the good of the place that you are in. Then, then there's something I think you say in that letter. You can be assured that your work is intimately tied to God's plan for all things. That's a direct I, I, quote. It's a pretty good direct quote, right? Um, and, and again, that, that I actually had a kid. Um, they, they wrote they wrote me a note afterwards, and they said, like, almost thank you. Um, like, no one tells us that. Like, I, I'm so again hyper focused on knowing what I need to go and what I need to do. And we know as adults, you don't get the bright neon sign that says I go here. That'd be wonderful. Most of us don't get that. And so, um, to just affirming kids, like, like, find what you love, go into what you love. And figure out how you can make 
your circle, your community, your area a little bit better, then, then be assured that you're part of God's plan, you're part of God's will. It's about 20 minutes. Is there anything? Uh, Did you want to say anything about your experience? Or you want to have that come out through? Oh, uh, let you have it come out. I mean, right. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. So, so give us um, either questions for us. Um, some of you had seen this before. Um, you can ask questions about the, the making of it, the use of it. Uh, we'd also love to hear like what, what resonated with you um, through just this opening episode. Or yeah, what your classrooms is, are like and how this might kind of pass. First of all, I thought, I've never seen any of it before, and I, I thought it was great. Uh, now I'm a social studies teacher. I don't get any credit, but Tim's one of my own students years ago, so he's way ahead of me, man. But uh, uh, first of all, I like I like kind of the I don't know. You see, I see transformational living in that, but I see it's set in a new. I don't know. With today's students, I always feel it's about flash. You know, it's about catch them before it's time to try to sneak a look at my phone, uh, you know, in the classroom. I also, you know, I used to do, teach two things in high school. Now I teach like four or five, and I see it as very interdisciplinary. I can see myself putting that in parts of my psych class, parts of my social class, my U.S. history, my government. I really like that. And they do that. A lot of the schools and colleges do that. They'll use the business. We use episode three, justice order. Order, they'll use it. And some of their social justice ones are. We'll use wonder. Um, yeah. Uh, the way you use it, are there, do you just come up with your own questions? Are there resources out there that you have used that are like with us? Like sometimes video series have, I don't know, I, is there anything like there, that? There is a free curriculum, I believe, on Acton's. Acton oh, is the okay. company that is yeah. the think tank that made this Acton Institute. Um, there is a free new updated curriculum by a church uh, in Fort Worth. It's really good. Oh, okay. So, and it's free. You just steal it and use it. Yeah, there's, there's a there's a field guide. Yeah, I'm not trying to sell you anything today, but um, this is this this has questions. It's sort of like a curriculum. It could be used in a small group study. It could be used with students. Good ideas. To oh sure, yeah, yeah, and, and different questions that, that can lead to discussion. So I use some of this. Um, I think you know age appropriateness is always important. This is this is pretty deep stuff. Um, it's calling students into something a little bit more. And, and that takes um, that take, that's challenging for kids at times, um, and, and there's a lot of imagery in, in unpacking that. So, so that's been helpful. Uh, the curriculum I haven't used that yet. That's been yeah. helpful for others as well. Um, part of it is just um, I think like Jim was saying a little bit. In some ways, it's like my own experience with it, just being open about that. Like, you know, I never thought about what I was saved for, um, or uh, you know, I'm not. I, there's like there's a lot. Of, Couple of the other episodes have poetry in them. Um, I don't know if you love that so much that you put it in. <laughs> but I came to that. Yeah, the, the, the Balthazar quote. Oh, it, I, I don't understand half of it. Like, I tell kids that. Like, I don't, this is, I, I know it's powerful, I know it's deep, it's doing something to me, but we're still unpacking it together. Um, so just, just opening up myself to live that experience with them again. 
other things, either questions or things that resonated with you. Yeah, I just think getting kids to think more deeply about these things, you could, you could just, and I love the fact that you say I spend time unpacking it because there's so much in there, and we have to keep encouraging kids to think beyond the surface level, and I, I just think it's, it's great for that. Um, like I said, you, you watched it several times and you get something else out of it every single time, and I think you're a very creative person. that said, we want to make a video series for Christians about faith and economics because we want to help Christians deal with their money better. And, um, and uh, we were like, that sounds like a fun video. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh, that's not what they, I mean, they didn't say it that way, I'm just being entertaining, but that's, that's, uh, we're being recorded. Uh, uh, they're a great kind of great organization. Uh, yeah. um, no, uh, so they, and Stephen Grable said that's, that's great. In order to understand that area of our, of our lives, like economics, you first have to understand God's economy of all things and how everything is working um, uh, for, the, for the great good of God's kingdom. Sort of. So he said, so let's, let's unpack that, and then that will be a gateway into talking specifically about economics or, or about work, or you know, because it's, it's, it's all tied together. You can't fragment our lives. It's all sort of one, so connected. Um, so that's how that started and where it came from. And then you got a bunch of like theologians together. Yeah, got, and that was the other thing we synthesized. Like we, we said like we need theologians, philosophers, artists, and like uh, uh, producers in a room to like go, let's see what happens when we all get together and don't poo-poo anything. And um, yeah, it's like, the, like again, it's all like how interconnected we all are when we're all sort of working together. We things that resonate more deeply and have a farther reach. What's up with the inside of that house? <laughs> oh, that's all art design, yeah. What? Oh, yeah, okay, so you want it's to... It's just an explosion so, of, I'm like, how did they even... We tried to make everything, <clears throat> everything into something sort of mean. Something. Sure. Except Signs of Jonas. Everyone's like, why Signs of Jonas? I'm like, I don't know, it just was funny. <laughs> so that doesn't mean anything. But the church, the idea, so the house represents the church. Like or sort of the lived experience of our faith, or where we go, where we, where we, where our home is, and all of it. And, and that way, we look at church as the keeper of the relic, like all the stories of faith through time. And so you look at the house; it's just filled, filled with things, and each one of them has meaning or tells you something about the place or the history of the place. And so that's why we fill it with all this nostalgic stuff. So you're like, oh. There's those VCRs that like pop up, and here's this thing, and there's a scene where we play Nintendo, and we blow up the cartridges and stick it in. Like all these things where we're going around and just sort of bringing back that sense of um, fondness and memory, um, um, which culminates in episode seven where we talk about living the memory um, and anamnesis, uh, uh, like when, when God says, do this in memory of me. He's not saying like intellectually assent to it. Like live it out, live this. Um, so the idea was like <clears throat> we live it and we show it and we have it all around us and it makes sense. I don't know, trail off there, my brain sort of went in a different direction. But that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. The church is the keeper of the relic and there are stories and the fondness of that place we call home. Yeah. 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 Y
do the uh, episodes build on one another, or yes. do they have standalone value? Uh, you can do standalones. Okay. Uh, I would say, I, you, I, we, you've only done it in a row, but you did the business one. Yeah. yeah they, um, they, they, they do build, so as you go along that, all the area of the house gets cleaned up. So you have this field where I start planting in episode two, like you're planting seeds, like you're building crops, and, and you're building a garden, that's a family, right? And then episode three, um, that's creative service. Do we build the table? Yeah, so we talk about how the table got here. Episode four, um, um, we build a stage. Like, episode, why are they building a stage in this house? Episode five, uh, we build a hearth and make bread, because we talk about how knowledge and bread making are a lot linked, and so we build this hearth and make food. Uh, and then episode six, I'm trying to remember what we did in episode six. Did you add anything for wonder? No, I think we just, we just, got to our Zen place, like, um, we just sort of be still in episode six. Then episode seven, the church is a party. So this whole time we've been prepping this house for a party, which is the end of all things, it's a festival, it's a feast, right? It's, so it's this big party and you have this huge, everyone's there, it kind of looks like a shire and a hobbit, they're really dancing, there's a band on the stage, and we're eating food and drinking and laughing, and we talk about the body of Christ and So they do build. They could yeah, just stand alone and interact with a yeah. little context for that. Um, yeah, yeah, episode sure six is. is episode six is weird. Um, it's it's awesome though. Uh, Evan has talked. We've talked before. They wanted to start with episode six, uh, but then people thought it would be like, what in the world is this thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the cool things, and I'll spoil it if you ever see it, but um, episode six is about wonder, and, and actually, I think for me that's one of the more powerful ones personally. Because um, they, they talk about how we, we just, we're so focused on ourselves and culture right now, like, we can't sit, we can't be, we can't look at things and appreciate. Um, and they do this, for a second. yeah, they do this really, I think, brilliant thing at the end. I, I tell my students at the end of it, like, they actually just gave you a gift, you didn't realize it. But they, I don't know how long the scene is, it's two or three minutes, like, of just images and music. And you just, like, sit. Um, and and it, it's, it's not until maybe halfway through you're like, they're making me nice still right now. They tricked me. They made me, made me sit and wonder a little bit. Yeah. And even to show that in a classroom, day, to think about how much our students are scheduled and busy, to like just give them a moment to sit. That's hard for them. Like, you kind of look around and like, oh, can I get my phone out? It's like, if something's missing, and it's like, there it is. Like, you nailed it right there. The, the challenge that we face. So, um, yeah, just different ways that you can use it and apply it depending on full series, shorter use in the classroom. So how do you decide on the various topics for the videos? And is there a certain topic that you would have loved to include but you just couldn't, there was enough space? Oh, yeah. So um, I don't know if there's one that we wanted to include. That did, I mean, there's one that I, I want to do the economy of like laughter. Or, or that, like, that kind of stuff, but that kind of fits into wonder. Um, and then every once in a while I'll have a thought, like, oh, we should do an economy of that, but then I forget. Um, so, um, uh, but we did it because it's sort of the way, just, like, we went from the general, or sorry, I was getting that wrong, from the specific to the general. Like, so we learn how to love through a family. Like, that's where we learn what love is, ideally, hopefully. 
And then when multiple families get together, they're, the, they're the basis of society. When multiple families get together, you have a civilization, right? And then you have to figure out how you're going to work together and what you're going to work. And then when people get together, when a lot of people get together, this is awesome on Tuesday, we're talking about class. I was like, when people get together on Tuesday, uh, 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 on, uh, when people get together, a lot of people get together, what ha generally happens? And then one of his students was like, church. And I was like, well, yeah, but no problems. <laughs> but also church. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, problems. So then you need order. You need a way to, to make order and have justice and make sure that everyone is, uh, is yeah, has, is getting what they owe, justice. Um, so, and then from there, you sort of, once you have all these people, now in your lives, your sort of hierarchy of needs, now you start to learn. And you build and you share knowledge, and that's how you keep trades going and whatever. And then, again, what happens when you have all that on the sixth, seventh day, God rested. So you have leisure. What is that? And that's wonder. But, again, we would say, actually, it all started with wonder. Like, it all, the whole, the, like, God didn't need to make anything to fulfill himself. Like, it starts with wonder. So, then wonder, and then we go to church and wrap it all up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so well for a special price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the other thing again, I, I'd encourage you whether or not you you check it out for yourselves. Um, you, I think even watching it on my own and bringing it into the class, I'd love to show it in every class. But bringing myself into the classroom in a different way, like that, is valuable. Um, it, it shapes how you think about. It. There's also. Uh, the fifth episode, it shows a classroom and it kind of critiques education. I love showing that in the classroom. Um, it's sort of, what do you call that, like a football or something? Like yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just it's some fun things you can do with students and you can do with yourselves. Again, I think you can, you can use it with your staff because um, we know that we need this too. Yeah. Who had a, who had, just had a birthday? Who just had a birthday? You don't care. <laughs> Well, whose who's birthday is supposed to be having a birthday? November 9th. Oh, November 9th. Well, I, we have, I have four copies, five copies. Oh, we have giveaways. We have giveaways. So, here, next birthday, anyone really? October 13th. Oh, oh, and we do! Oh, there you go. Same day. Yeah. Anyone nice. else? Nice. We got five. I'm going to tell you. This is June 4th. June 4th. Thank you. 
40. Hey, go put these all around. Thank you for coming today. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your conference. Take free stuff if you want.